welcome back to Slick Talk. I'm your host, Blackstone Joe, and you're listening to episode 64 titled Sleuthing, Seekers of Aircraft and Sleuthing Stories in particular. This one's for you. So first I'll set the scene. I was sitting at my desk working through a batch of aircraft samples when I pulled up one that was most unusual, well, for an aircraft anyway. The first thing I noticed was a spike in elements such as molybdenum, boron, and calcium. So this is an aircraft that we had history on and we knew what to expect. We knew what oil the customer was usually running. But regardless of what you typically use, we shouldn't see a spike in the elements I just mentioned. So that was the first thing that caught my eye. Aircraft engine oil, it usually has no additive, or if it does have additive, it will just be in the form of phosphorus, and that level is generally around 1,000 parts per million. Any folks that typically used Exxon Elite in the past, I know it's no longer available, but if you used to use it, you would see phosphorus in that. As far as current oils, you could have it in Aeroshell 1550, you can have it in W100+, Plus, for example. So if you are running aircraft engine oil, you know, it's either no additive or it's phosphorus. So that was the first thing that struck me. Now, if you are someone who has sampled aircraft, especially uh, new aircraft in the past, then you might already know that molybdenum can show up. It's typically a low level though. So for those that don't know, if we are finding molybdenum and it's not from the oil itself, then it's going to be in the form of anti-scuff coating on the pistons. So you might see some of it early on during a wear-in situation. You still don't want to see a lot of it though. It's something that if we are seeing a lot of molybdenum and a lot of aluminum, that's a sign that there's some excess wear taking place. You just don't want to see a ton of it in the oil. But this sample I'm talking about had a dramatic spike. So it was not going to be anti-scuff coating because if it was, I mean, you'd be looking at a catastrophic level because this was like, you know, one to 200 parts per million, nothing close to what would raise the possibility of, of anti-scuff coating running a bit high. Boron and calcium. So you can get calcium if you're running cam guard, but not a lot. It's going to be typically one to 200 parts per million, if not a little less. So this was a dramatic increase as well. Boron has no reason to be in aircraft engine oil unless you have non-AD oil in use. Boron shouldn't be there. So I'm looking at these results and I see these dramatic increases in elements and we are not looking at a plausible scenario where it's additive in aircraft oil or anti-scuff coating or whatever. None of those explanations made sense. So that was the first clue that something was wrong. You know, this customer was per the slip running Philips XC 2050. That's one of those oils that doesn't have any additive in it. So A, we should be seeing zeros anyway, but the increases that we were seeing were troublesome to begin with. Now I want to move on to the physical properties. So everything I've been talking about so far has just been contained in the spectral analysis. So for the uninitiated, a standard analysis is going to include the spectral exam, but we also are going to look at the physical properties. So the viscosity, let's start there. It was really low for 2050. It was really more akin to a 5W40 engine oil. So particularly thin. Now, 
Some listeners might know that you can arrive at a thin viscosity as a result of fuel dilution. Now, the flash point of this sample was low enough to show fuel a high amount, but 1.3%. So 1% for aircraft in particular, that's kind of the point where it can start to show an issue. Still, though, 1.3% wasn't a likely reason for the viscosity to be more akin to a 540. I'd be expecting significantly more fuel solvent based contamination in general to bring the viscosity that far below spec so the plot thickens or thins perhaps between the unusual additives physical properties and changes in metals as well as silicon this looks like something had to be amiss so before i move any further i was looking at Dramatic increases in copper and silicon. So listeners of the program might know that copper and silicon can speak to a wear-in situation. Copper from wear-in itself and silicon from sealer or lube. So I wondered, first of all, you know, when I had my analyst hat on, I thought, well, maybe this customer had recent repairs. Maybe it's a shop they weren't familiar with. Maybe... That shop was careless and used non-AD oil, thinking it's fine because the, you know, the owner was going to dump the oil soon anyway. So just run whatever. You know, my mind's racing through all the plausible scenarios of what can happen when you see you know, this unusual shift. There were so many blanks to fill in, though, that I had to pick up the phone. Phone calls from Blackstone, I understand, can be a little nerve-wracking, especially if you're an aircraft owner. I was on the phone yesterday, and the owner picked up, and I said, Hey, it's Joe from Blackstone. Uh, thanks for taking the call. And uh, the guy cut me off and said, Blackstone? Oh, that's not good. <laughs> because, you know, presumably we're not going to call just to say, Everything looks great. But in this case, you know, I wasn't convinced there was a problem, because everything that we were looking at in this sample looked so off that I wondered if something could have happened during the sampling process. Fortunately, this customer was available. They took my call right away and we got to talking about the results. They were not expecting anything unusual at first, nor were they expecting me to see changes in any particular area. So I asked about recent repairs asked if there was any you know, anything involving the engine being opened, a new part, what have you. Initially, nothing came to mind for this customer. As we kept talking, though, and I was describing the nature of the results, you know, just how obvious it was that something was amiss, finally, these results struck a chord, and the customer remembered that during the sampling process, there was a drain pan that was used, that already contained oil from a previous oil change. I believe it was the customer's car or truck. Then aircraft engine oil was dumped on top of it. So what had happened was the customer took oil from the top of the drain pan and then figured that that would avoid oil from the bottom being mixed in and skewing the results. Now, these sampling conditions are not ideal, but still I can't blame someone who isn't in the know. And I can definitely recall a lot of instances where sampling from a dirty drain pan was okay, but those were cases where the pan itself really didn't have 
any significant oil, if at all, left over. It's just a pan that wasn't cleaned out completely, and then oil was drained, and then everything still looked normal. But if you have a significant amount of used oil left in the pan, not merely just a pan that, you know, wasn't cleaned out completely, but you have oil in there from a previous oil change, and then you dump oil on top of it, this is a good case study in just how impactful that can be, how significant the increases in additive elements can be even though you think that just skimming some off the top is surely not going to be an issue. Well, it certainly had a huge role on this customer's results. And most importantly, you know, I didn't feel right detailing an analysis where I just mentioned, hey, clearly the wrong oil is in use. Because, you know, if, if you're an aircraft owner and you send in a sample where it looks like non-AD oil has been in use and we aren't aware of any unusual sampling conditions, that's when we have to take a more cautionary approach and talk about, you know, the consequences that can occur when you're using non-AD oil in an aircraft engine. It can lead to detonation. It can cause so many problems because ashless dispersal oil will not leave behind deposits but if you're running you know oil for a car or truck that's not the case so it can really wreak havoc quickly still though with possible indicators of wear-in the fact that this customer had such a good track record of running only ad oil I figured it was only the right thing to do to get in touch first and see what else might be going on. Doing so allowed me to learn background on the sampling process and relay to the customer the fact that something clearly was out of line. What do you know about it? As opposed to writing up a cautionary report where I say, hey, the wrong oil's been in use, correct that. Uh, we're looking at you know a serious spike in metal as well, possibly poor wear that came as a consequence. I did not want to go down that road right away, so instead I was able to contact the customer. And this is also a good PSA to customers that maybe are a little wary of leaving too much contact info. It is so important and can help us sort out issues such as these in a timely manner. If you have that contact info readily available for us to access that way, you know, obviously we get you the answers quickly, but we avoid the, you know, sort of needless speculation that can fill up a comment box and instead jump right to the problem or hopefully uh, the lack thereof. So be sure to include that phone number. This customer did. I was able to reach out. We had such a helpful conversation that allowed us to learn exactly what was going on. So even with this being an aircraft specific report and sample in an unusual situation of sample contamination i think it still has many important takeaways for folks uh, that are curious about sampling in general you know be careful with your sampling technique and if you ever do anything that is unusual you know whether just in your mind when you're taking that first sample you're not sure what all applies as unusual but also if you're doing anything different than what you would normally go about if you're sampling from a pan whereas you almost always catch it from the drain you know if you grab a sample from the very start you know right when you remove the bolt as opposed to waiting for that midstream sample if you're doing anything that is unusual for you let us know almost always i would say nine times out of ten when i'm looking at samples where customers have some concerns about you know possible sampling technique skewing the results usually it doesn't amount to a significant 
change to how we would view the sample, but still it's good to know because, you know, there is that one instance like this one I'm talking about today where it was so important. So let us know if you're doing anything unusual, be mindful of sampling where there can be contamination. You know, like if you're using like one of those quick draw pumps that we sell where you can take oil from the dipstick, Let's say you're using tubing, you know, that wasn't cleaned out. Let us know about that. Also, contact us if you have questions about how to clean stuff like that. Or if you are not sure, you know, maybe that drain pan was dirty. You know, maybe there was some residual oil. Anytime you're using like different sorts of uh, containers um, other than the Blackstone kit, you know, that happens when people have to take a sample right away and they don't have time to wait for the kit. Let us know if it's a container where you're not sure you know, hey, maybe this might have skewed it. Something that happens pretty frequently is folks will put samples into like, you know, say if they had a jug of 540 and then uh, they dumped it out and then they had to put their sample in there and maybe they are sampling like 1060 oil and they want to let us know, you know, that's good. You know, odds are very slim that residual oil that's just left in a jug like on the sides of it, you know, I would not assume that that's going to impact it significantly, but these are still details that are good to note. Basically, a good rule of thumb is that if you're not taking oil straight from the drain, it's a good idea to let us know how you were going about it. Um, and it's not like you have to write, you know, a, a soliloquy or something. You know, you, you, you can just note that your sampling technique involved, you know, say a dirty pan or, you know, tubing that might not have been clean. And then we can then contact you if we're seeing anything on our end that could be related to an unusual circumstance where you're taking the sample. And obviously, as we've touched on earlier in this episode, a key takeaway from this whole episode is that using only AD oil in aircraft is so pivotal. So I hope that anyone who wasn't quite sure if that really mattered, I hope that that's a big takeaway for you on this particular episode, because it really is. And if you are someone who is not sure, you know, if there was incorrect oil being in use, when, when it comes down to aircraft, that's something very high up on our watch list. You know, anytime we're looking at aircraft, we want to see the lack of additive that would be associated with automotive engine oil. So you can rest assured that we'll point it out um, if we're seeing it on our end. It's, you know, just another item on our watch list, you know, in addition to a change in the wear pattern or the presence of contaminants like water or fuel, uh, we're going to be looking for the correct oil being in use. So no need to even ask. We are going to point that out. We're going to be very direct as we were in this particular case. So this has been a fun breakdown of an adventure in sleuthing. Now, obviously, there's not going to be many sleuthing stories if the slips are all filled out. There's been no issue with the sampling process. Everything looks good. But whenever they do come up, I will have fun breaking them down. It gives me an opportunity to speak to the results and how we can interpret them, how we can make sense of anything unusual, how we are mindful of what certain elements are and what the increases can speak to. It's still a fun exercise when they do come up. But as always, fill out your slips, note anything that might be a potential concern on your end, Leave that contact info handy just in case we do see anything that looks amiss. And that way we can reach out and send you the analysis 
that has as many variables ruled out with a conclusion that can help you take care of whatever it is you're sampling. That's all I have for you today. Thanks so much for listening. This is Blackstone Joe signing off.